Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Another week, another topic. Here we go. Yes, I am well caffeinated and ready to roll. <laughs> Have you been taking your iron today? We're, we're talking about iron, and we're going to make this exciting because it is a topic that a lot of owners are concerned with, right? Yeah, like you would think, iron, what an incredibly boring podcast topic. But <laughs> if I was going to make a bet, I would bet this would be one of our most listened to early podcasts, just based on the frequency of the number of questions we get about it. Yeah, no, I was because I, it's interesting when I saw your article come up, reading into it, and I know iron's always been out there, but I didn't know how, how deep it went, right? Because, you know, that's your field, nutrition and everything like that. And so when I read it, I was like, wow, you're right. You know, it's, it's one of those nutrients that has a big influence on physiology. It does. And unfortunately, there's a lot of misconceptions that have grown up around it as well, which makes it a controversial topic. Right. So when you say you get a lot of questions, what are some of the things you're hearing about? What are some of the concerns these hor- I see it. You're like, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> yeah, like you guys are just listening to us. We can see each other as we're doing this. Yeah, we're this, zooming. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I um, saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So it really starts with this fear that there's no excretion of iron by the horse. So there's no regulatory excretory system. So some of our other nutrients think if you eat too much protein, too much vitamin E, the horse has the ability to urinate that out. That's how they excrete those extra nutrients that are consumed. With iron, that doesn't happen. So people get really concerned, like, oh my God, once it's in, that's it. They're going to accumulate it forever. And there is true cases of iron toxicosis. They're relatively rare. So I think a lot of the concern starts there. But iron's a really interesting nutrient. So what most people probably don't realize is there are two different methods that an animal uses to deal with excess nutrients coming in from their diet. The first one is the one we just talked about. If you eat too much of it, you're going to excrete it. And it's not until you eat too much of it too quickly that you overwhelm the body's capacity to excrete it. And that's where you would have a toxicity issue. The other option is the horse can actually downregulate how much is absorbed from the diet. And same thing in humans, that's how excess iron is dealt with. So what it will do is actually sense how much iron stores are in the diet. And there's a hormone that's in charge of this. And then based on the levels, the iron transporters in the small intestine. So think about these as doorways. So the doorways that the nutrient goes through to enter the body through the small intestine and up and down regulates those. Think about it as opening and closing those doors. So with iron, what it does is it modulates or it impacts how much iron is actually absorbed from the diet. So it's a really interesting way to deal with this excess nutrient because iron's everywhere. There's no such thing as an iron-free diet. So I think that's kind of the initial concern came from this concept that people found out, oh my God, once iron's in, it can't leave. So they're worried about iron overload. So if you're worried about iron coming into the body and not being able to leave, then there's kind of two categories from there that people are concerned about. One is hoof health. 
and the other is insulin resistance. So those are kind of, I would say, the two things we get those questions the most about. So flip a coin. Do you want to talk about hooves or insulin resistance first? <laughs> it's Well, I know I, we're definitely going to be doing both topics on their own in, in future podcasts because, again, so many nutrients affect those. But yeah, let, let's, uh, let's save hooves for next, you know, just quickly okay. insulin resistance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is one of the classic myths that are out there, which is that high iron in the diet causes insulin resistance. And a lot of this started from really your classic example of the scientific adage that correlation does not equal causation. So that's Such one a of hard the one. Yeah, Such that's one of the one, right? yeah. first things you learn, right? And yeah. what happened was there was a study where they were using horses as a model for rhinos, which I know is something you've mm-hmm. done in your work. Mm-hmm. And what they found is they measured blood from two different populations of horses, healthy horses and horses with insulin resistance. And they found those horses with insulin resistance had high serum ferritin. Okay, so that's a measure of iron in the horse's blood. And they made this logic jump that high serum ferritin caused the insulin resistance and therefore high dietary iron caused high serum ferritin. And unfortunately, that's a jump you simply can't take based off that study because it's not a feeding trial. They didn't Mm -hmm. feed graduated levels of iron and see if they could cause insulin resistance in the horse. There's nothing like that. They just looked at the blood of two populations of horses, healthy and those with insulin resistance. So it's frankly bad science to make that logical Mm -hmm. jump that unfortunately got published. And what happens if you look at the human research, this link has been studied extensively. And they found that high dietary iron intake in the human does not increase the risk of developing insulin resistance. They found that high iron is a byproduct of the insulin resistance disease process. Mm -hmm. Now you could argue, Mm -hmm. you know, humans are not a perfect model for horses, but until someone does that research that shows that link, I don't think that the science is there to support that high dietary iron causes insulin resistance in the horse. No, it was a good explanation. And I, and I think for, you know, the listeners as as scientists, you know, especially in the equine industry, it's, you know, again, we don't have billions of dollars in research. Heck, I don't even know, you know, maybe a few million each year goes into nutritional research around the United States and around the world. I know Europe does quite a bit of, of good equine nutrition research. So doing these studies, it, it is difficult. I know last week we were talking about where we've come, you know, from the good old days of the Henneke body condition scoring system to now tributes wellness system and looking at muscling. So we do look at other species and, you know, we try to find something similar that has digestive processes similar to the horse, right? To, to kind of hone in some of our research and research ideas. So it is valid and usable. What I'm, I guess the bottom line I'm trying to get at is when we do look at human research or other species, there is some validity and you can apply that to the horse, right? So yeah, those, again, just, those just to basic, back you up on that. Yeah. Yep. Those basic processes don't necessarily change, especially when you're getting down to something so fundamental as iron metabolism. There's a lot of conservation across different species of how those mechanisms work. So I guess 
I'm maybe not confident enough to go on record saying there is no link. Absolutely. But I yeah, yeah, will yeah. say, unless we do the research, there there isn't a link that we've proven today. And in fact, if you look at all horses have high iron in their diets because there's so much. If you look at the incidence of high iron intake versus the incidence of insulin resistance, frankly, they don't match up. There should be way more insulin resistant horses if it's just a function of high dietary iron intake. Right, right. Okay, good, good. And now hooves. You know, we, we, we briefly mentioned hooves. And again, a lot of nutrients go into hoof health. But how does iron influence that or doesn't influence that? We'll find out. <laughs> Stay tuned. Now, yes, yes. so... This one's maybe not as controversial. So high dietary iron can cause secondary deficiencies in other minerals, specifically copper and zinc. So we talked about the body does a good job of shutting those doors for iron intake if they're iron-specific transporters, so iron-specific doorways. At the same time, there are some shared pathways, so some shared doorways that iron, copper, and zinc, any of those three could line up and go through the doorway. And what ends up happening, because there's a lot of high iron background noise, iron really monopolizes that doorway. So it can absorb iron, it can absorb copper, it can absorb zinc. Well, if there's lots of iron, there's just way more iron molecules lining up to go through that doorway. So that can cause secondary deficiencies. The other thing that can happen is they all throw a party. So you can have complexes of iron and your other trace minerals. So if they're throwing a party together and they're all lumped together, they're too big to go through the doorways anyways. So from that standpoint, we have competition at the transporter site. So competition to go through that doorway. And we have some tying up with antagonistic minerals. Iron is one of those. So those together can cause some copper and zinc deficiencies, Copper and zinc do a lot of stuff in the body. Some things that are visually apparent to us as horse owners are hoof quality and hair coat quality. Mm -hmm. So those are things we can see break down. So to the detriment of the horse, they have poor hoof quality, crumbling hooves, poor growth, hair quality is rough. It doesn't look shiny, things like that. We can visually see the impact of secondary copper and zinc deficiencies. So the good news is there are ways to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Option one is not that great. It's just add more and more copper and zinc. And you can do that. But again, you're still competing to go through that doorway. Option two is find a new doorway. Okay. So mm -hmm. a new pathway for absorption from the small intestine into the horse's body. And that's the one that we choose. So we're going to use you know, inorganic sources of copper and zinc in the horse's diet to the extent that they can be absorbed. But to adjust for that high background iron, we actually use zinc and copper that are complexed with an amino acid. So the broad care category is organic trace minerals. Not all organic trace minerals work in the way that I'm explaining today. So you cannot substitute mm -hmm. one organic mineral for the other. But these amino acid complex organic minerals, they have the copper or the zinc complexed with the amino acid. And those amino acids have their own transporters, their own doorways to get out of the small intestine. And that copper and zinc just gets to tag along. So we've just eliminated all that competition experience because of iron by using a totally novel pathway. So we can support the horse's copper and zinc requirements without having to add super high levels by using that 
copper amino acid complex, that zinc amino acid complex. So it's really just thinking outside the box. Do I want to sit in traffic on the freeway or do I want to take a side road? We're going to take the side right. road. <laughs> there you go. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is, it's a lot of complex detailed science, you know, listening to you to explain that. But I like the idea of, like you said, like different doorways. And, and typically back in the day, we would feed, you know, even our, our own, I think, human nutrition take inorganic sources of these minerals. Can you briefly explain the difference between an inorganic source of, say, copper zinc versus an organic source of copper and zinc? Sure, because in the trace mineral space, this term is used completely separately how you might think about it for human food. So organic for human food is related to production practices, whereas inorganic and organic in the sense of trace minerals is really talking about what type of molecule the trace mineral is bound to. And this is actually kind of simple to think about. An organic trace mineral is simply a trace mineral bound to a molecule that contains a carbon carbon is what makes it organic. So you have to have a carbon to make an organic molecule in like the biochemistry sense. So it could be bound to anything that contains a carbon. So that could be an amino acid, that could be a protonate, that could be a sugar. But again, not all of those organic trace minerals have those special doorways right. to get out of the small intestine. But that's what we mean. So the type of trace mineral that's in your hay, for example, those are inorganic sources it came from, if you think about a natural source of food, right? It's hay, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. the chemistry is an inorganic source. So that would right, be things right. like copper sulfate, copper oxide versus your organic sources like the amino acid complex. No, that's a good explanation. Now, what influences iron levels in feed? So we talked, we're talking about inorganic and organic, but what in the diet will influence those iron levels? So if you're thinking about the background levels, like where is the iron coming from in the horse's diet, iron is absorbed into the plants that we then feed horses. So iron levels are going to vary. And most of the iron in the horse's diet usually comes from their forage. And that's really a combination of things. One, just the amount of iron that's absorbed into the plant itself. Um, and then two, depending on, for example, how your hay was baled, sometimes there's more or less soil contamination. And that's really just a function on the type of rake and how close they set it to the ground. So sometimes I look at forage analyses that have really high iron levels. But then if you look at the ash level, you say, well, actually, that's, there's a bunch of soil in this. It's not necessarily mm -hmm. all iron that's in the plant itself. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So that's really what influences. There's iron everywhere. There's no such thing as an iron-free horse feed. And most of the iron in the horse's diet is coming from the forage. So if you were thinking about ways to decrease your horse's iron intake, which again, I don't necessarily think that's an approach you really have to take. We've already talked about there's no real link with insulin resistance. We have other ways mm -hmm. to balance it. Um, sometimes there's high water iron. Most of the time it's not very absorbable, but you could add a water softener. Um, and then again, thinking about how your hay is baled, if you have control over that is another way to look at that, you know, but ultimately it's really hard to avoid iron. So I more so take the approach of how do I balance their other mineral needs without having to just add higher and higher levels of them. And that's where that organic 
trace mineral really helps. Right. And so you're, you're saying, uh, it's what I listen to. You're like, you can't, it's everywhere. It's like, you know, iron is everywhere. It's in everywhere in the food. So really we can't eliminate iron in the diet. It's just, it's just not feasible. Correct. Literally impossible. There are other things we can worry about. And I think that's interesting. So if you think about the really big picture, you know, this is one nutrient that people get super focused on and it does have negative impacts um, in terms of, you know, if you look at the literature, there are a couple cases of like acute iron toxicity. The circumstances were crazy that caused them. So it's not all that common that happens. And even your chronic cases, the circumstances that cause chronic true iron toxicosis are really weird. Um, there's been research that's fed, you know, 20 to 40 times what the normal iron intake is. And the normal iron intake is much higher than the requirement and not caused those issues. But if you kind of zoom out, you know, it's not just iron that binds up these other minerals in the horse's diet. Think about this, lignin complexes Mm -hmm. your trace minerals, not just the trace minerals that are in your forage, but also the ones you add to the rest of the diet. So by feeding really stemmy hay, you could be creating secondary copper and zinc deficiencies. You know, thinking about it, it's so much bigger picture. So I've just left you with this very discomforting thought that you've created more deficiencies. (laughs) Yes, Um, yes. But again, that's, that's why we formulate things to address those types of issues. But yeah, it's the big picture is so much more complicated than just iron is bad. And don't forget, iron does important stuff, right? Mm-hmm, it's part mm-hmm. of energy metabolism. It carries oxygen in the blood. Um, it's important for cell differentiation and growth. So like if you would like a wound to heal, iron is a part of that. So no single, no single nutrient is good or bad. And iron sometimes gets maligned because of these misconceptions around there being so much it's bad. There is too much iron in the horse's diet, but it doesn't necessarily cause all of these horrible things that we sometimes think. Right, right. Yeah. No, it's it's it's, it's a good explanation and, and it's like yeah, you're right, like like oxygen carrying capacity and things like that because I know iron is does have important function in the diet. So what choices do horse owners have if they are either concerned about overfeeding or underfeeding iron? So I say it's very rare that iron is underfed. So we do occasionally have anemia issues. And, you know, the short-term response to that is to just add more iron. And I always encourage people, let's look for the reason the horse is anemic. And typically it's related to parasitism. So they have a high parasite load or ulcers. So there's some way they're losing significant amounts of blood in the digestive tract that's causing anemia. So it's pretty rare to have a horse just not eat enough iron in its horse's diet. Um, In terms of overconsumption, you know, the new Wholesome Blends Balancer line has no added iron, and that's simply to offer choice. I'm not saying it's better or worse, but if you've listened to this whole podcast and you still do not agree with me, (laughs) I do have an option for you that has lower (laughs) iron in it. Um, so, and that's, again, you're not giving up any nutrition otherwise, um, but that doesn't mean your traditional feeds are bad. And so that's really good. What's the take home message with this, with this iron in the diet today for horse owners? So I think the take home message is there's a lot of myths about iron that have made high dietary iron out to be worse than it is. It doesn't mean there aren't select cases where we have true iron toxicosis, but for your average horse, 
getting super focused on your iron intake is probably not that big of a deal because we know all horses get too much iron in their diet. So as long as you're feeding something that's going to provide the additional copper and zinc required to offset that, your horse is going to still meet its requirements. So true copper and zinc deficiencies are relatively rare on a horse who's on a balanced, high quality diet. Oh, great. Good, good, good. And you know, for our listeners, thank you so much for listening. You know, please subscribe to the podcast. If you can share this with your equine enthusiast friends, we know this information. Again, these podcasts are short, so, you know, consume them in 20 minutes and, you know, spread this info so we can help educate the masses, you know, with, with this knowledge, like podcasting is such a great medium for that. And if you can go into iTunes, if you have it on iTunes, just drop us a quick uh, five-star rating and a quick review. You know, we appreciate it, but thank you so much for listening to us and stay tuned. Uh, Next week, we'll be back with a new topic. Awesome. Thank you all.